almost no one raises the real issue of tax avoidance, right? And of the rich just not paying their fair share. I mean, it feels like I'm at a firefighters conference and no one's allowed to speak about water. Today we walk into this house with an iconic South African plant, the Alu Ferox. We must take the bitter with the sweet. It is a matter that uh, uh, is under consideration. And all I would say is that watch this space. Welcome to this week's episode of the SA Money Report. This financial podcast is brought to you by Fin24 and hosted by Deputy Editor Ahmed Arif. It's all about what's happening now, what will happen in the future, and what can be done about all of that as a collective down the line. In other words, today, tomorrow, together. Or if you prefer, it's all about bringing possibility to life with Africanicity. It's the way these guys get things done. Yep, today on SA Money Report, we're talking about one of the big four ABSA, or what was once known as the Amalgamated Banks of South Africa. It's been the home to a lot of big names and a lot of news, some more recent and controversial than others. But before we jump into the fray around the new CEO, which is why we are gathered here today, I want to introduce Fin24's fantastic financial services writer, Londiwe Botelezi. Hi, Londiwe. Hi, Amex. Good to be back. So let's start with this. Uh, a couple of years back, we had the Barclays and Absa split. A little while after that, Maria Ramos leaves the CEO. And then the person the bank chose to succeed her is Daniel Manele, a former Reserve Bank Deputy Governor. Lots were said and hyped up, but things didn't exactly work out according to plan for the bank and Manele, especially around the clash of culture, as they said. What happened there and why did it happen? So, Ahmed, you remember that uh, Daniel Minele was actually Absa's first black CEO. So it was a big job, really. And when he left the Reserve Bank in June 2019, there was a lot of speculation that the reason he's taking a six-month cooling-off period is because he's going to Absa because there was the sense that Absa needs you know a strong character to succeed um maria ramos and he seemed like the man that could do the job so Absa was willing to wait that six months period of his cooling off period and which is why then it was a big shock for the bank to let him go after just one year of serving as a ceo you remember that he started uh, that job in january 2020 and already by April, he is out of the bank. Um, so initially, um, Absa or the board said, you know, it, it has to do with clashing over how about to execute the strategy. And then I remember having the initial conversation with the, the outgoing um, um, chairman, um, Wendy Lucas Bull, and she said, also management you know didn't see eye to eye with him but later on they retracted that statement when repeated then in subsequent stories and they're like no it was just his clash with the board so there's still those you know unanswered questions because all we know is that there was a clash over the strategy but my last interview with him was a month before he um, actually stepped down and that interview he was talking about how he's going to lead ABSA to reclaim his rightful place in Africa 
Um, and now when you listen to APSA's strategy, um, you know, in media conferences, a results presentation, they're all talking about reclaiming this rightful place in Africa. Um, so you're like, okay, they were, you know, um, aligned in terms of where APSA's going. Yeah, yeah. So was it maybe the problem of how they, he wants to get there versus how the board wants to get there yeah. or who he wanted to get there with versus yeah, who yeah. the board thought he should be in his team. So we'll never really know because both Absa and Minele have not said anything more than and, that. And it's likely they're not going to say anything. No, me. not anymore. And, and what's he doing now, Minele? Where's he in the world? Um, well, actually, I think uh, the private sector has recognized his skill because he's now the chairman of Alexander Forbes, uh, which is South Africa's largest pension funds um, administrator, and also the public sector because in February, um, President Ramaphosa appointed him as the head of the Presidential Climate Finance Task Team. So he's the man that's tasked with mobilizing uh, funds for South Africa's just transition and ironing out the details of how it's going to stick to its uh, COP2016 commitments. Right. Yeah. So now uh, moving on uh, down the line, eventually at the end of March, Absa eventually announced that, hey, we've appointed a new CEO. Uh, so tell us, who is it and how did they come to choose this person? Actually, um, Ari uh, has been at APSA since 1997. This is Ari Ratnbach, yeah? Yes. Yeah. So he's been at APSA since 1997, and he's a guy that I actually spoke to a couple of times before because yeah. he heads the biggest business unit at APSA, um, uh, APSA RBB, or the Retail Business and, uh, and Business Banking. Yeah. So um, he... In that period, he's held several other executive positions. Um, and on the day of his appointment, when I spoke to analysts, you know, um, they basically said he was one of the obvious choices for APSA. Um, and he is the first internal appointment since 2006. So that was seen as a positive and also the fact that, you know, if the board had clashes with someone about how to go about executing the strategy, maybe because he's already an insider and he knows what he the, knows how what the board wants, wants yeah. to go with this, um, that maybe he is a, a good appointment for that reason. Uh, but obviously now uh, we've seen some backlash. So initially from the PIC, and the PIC is no small voice because it uh, holds a 5% stake in APSA. It is one of their biggest shareholders. And after that, you've seen the Black Management Forum also coming out with a statement. But the common theme is just that, you know, um, they're disappointed. Um, everyone is disappointed. So the PSC thinks that this is a missed opportunity because after the Daniel Minella incident, APSA um, could have made a comeback by showing or publicly demonstrating that it is still committed to transformation because when Minele left, there were a lot of uh, questions, questions about, about it, yeah. you know, is it because the bank refuses to transform from within? So they think that was a missed opportunity. And uh, the BMF basically saying, you know, it shows this dominance of white males at APSA. Um, and you'd recall that in the board, there is just one black uh, South African 
uh, female who was now um, the interim FD, but she uh, But now she is still the interim uh, CEO of uh, the business that Ari um, headed, okay. the, the RBB. So we don't know how long she's going to stay there because she's also there on an interim, interim basis. basis. Yeah. Yes. And and given all of this, you've kind of hinted at it already with, with sort of the fact that he's strong internally, but has Absa actually dealt with this specific criticism head on, you know? Yeah. Um after the PIC statement, I think they prepared their own holding statement and they're basically saying uh, they've heard from a lot of stakeholders actually uh, who have concerns about uh, this appointment and they're willing to engage those stakeholders. But they're still very clear that the board was giving its reasons when it appointed Ari as the CEO. Um, they believe that his track record and, and business performance throughout the division that is led at APSA speaks for itself on his ability to deliver on the group's objectives, which means he understands yeah. um, what APSA wants to do, what the board wants APSA to go. Um, and also they've basically said that you know he might be uh, a white man leading the organization, but when you look at his team at RBB, has demonstrated that he appoints a very diverse team, uh, both in terms of race and gender, and um, when you look at that team that he leaves behind in RBB, you will see just how he has turned around the you know demographic mm -hmm. profile of it. Um, yeah, and uh, they basically said both Ari now being the group CEO and the board are still very much aligned and committed to transformation at APSA. So that while he might be the white CEO there, um, we don't know then. It doesn't mean maybe we'll be seeing more um, uh, black uh, executive moving, appointments moving and yeah. people moving up. We, yeah. we won't know, but we'll, we'll watch with Punky what happens to yeah. Punky Modise. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's, let's quickly jump to another controversy involving APSA, uh, this time with Sibo Patiana and uh, why he wasn't appointed as uh, APSA's chair. There's, there's court cases and a bunch of other stuff happening kind of concurrently around this. Can you have a quick rundown of what, what what's happening with the Pajana situation and and where where is it currently? Mm. Uh, yeah, the Sipo Pajana matter is really you know quite a mess. Uh, I must say. Because the first time we got to know about it was when he um, sued uh, the um, Prudential Authority, which is um, the Reserve Bank's um, regulator of banks, so um, saying that they blocked his appointment as a possible chairman of APSA. According to Pijana, the board had already told him that he was the preferred candidate for yeah. the chairmanship although he never submitted his name to the PA formally. He says the reason he couldn't submit his name to the Prudential authorities because um, we, you know, we have re we've written stories about that, how they had an informal engagement with Maria Ramos, who told the um, Prudential authority about his um, sexual harassment uh, charge while he was still at uh, an Anglo called Ashanti. Um, and obviously, he's disputed all those allegations and showed us the reports. Um, you know um, that basically, what he says, you know, nothing proves that that was a legitimate complaint. 
And after he sued the Prudential Authority, APSA happens to then respond to that as a cited party. Yeah. And in its response, it basically also sides with the Prudential Authority. Mm. Um, and Bijana took offense with that, that, you know, um, why, would they, why couldn't they just respond as APSA to set the facts straight yeah. instead of saying, you know, um, we, we, of siding with the Prudential Authority. Yeah. So now, on top of the Prudential Authority court case, he, is now, he now has another court case with the APSA board, um, and that one, he wants the board to, um, because remember that when he was no longer appointed as a chairman, he was also stripped off of his um, board membership. membership yeah. yeah, he was also the lead independent director, that fell away, or anything to do with APSA yeah. basically is no longer in the board. So he wants to be uh, reinstated he wants his in job the back. board. Yeah. yeah, so there is that court case going on now, yeah. and there's the Prudential Authority case, and my last conversation with him, he basically said, it looks like it's going to be a long, um, portrayed battle. legal battle. Ho so, hopefully it's not another Peter Moyo long, long, long case. <laughs> um, and he said, you know, he is not going to back down, even yeah. if it takes as long as Peter Moyo's case yeah. took. Um, he basically is ready to empty his bank accounts if need be, but He's we'll be watching that. Yeah. Okay, a uh, long way to wrap this all up. Obviously, we weren't waiting for the course to decide with Pitiana, uh, but jumping to the CEO thing, what do you think needs to be done to kind of smooth things over the EPSA around this? Mm -hmm. You know, it's highly unlikely that they're going to change their mind about Ali's appointment. Uh, but it's facing heat, and it's, you know, first it had the Manila stuff, uh, and obviously the Pitiana stuff, and now there's, uh, you know, uh, sort of backlash about Ali's appointment. How does the bank move forward in a way that keeps people happy for now? I mean, you cannot reverse the appointment of Ari as the permanent CEO. Yeah. So I think where they probably still have an opportunity to save face and show um, commitment to transformation um, is, you know, what will they do with the interim executive um, um, when they appoint the permanent heads of the business units? Is it going to be, you know, uh, black executives is going to be someone from within the bank. What does you know their succession planning from the bank looks like in terms of appointing black executives in the bank and in those positions? Um, I mean, as far as the board is concerned, it's already led by um, a black man. So, but still, you you have this uh, sense that people feel that even that board is not making decisions that um, show that the bank is willing to transform. It was their border presided over the decision to appoint Ari. So I would say probably any executive appointment that they make now, they have to think really hard about, you know, who the black executive um, that they can put in that uh, position. At the same time, I know that black executives also don't want to be seen as just, you know, uh, a PE token. Um, so it's, it's quite a, a, a fine balancing, yeah, the balancing act. act yeah. yeah, but we'll see. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for talking to us today, Landiwe. Thanks, Amir. Okay, that brings our show to an end. The music in this episode is courtesy of Getty Images and Epidemic Sound. This installment was produced with the help of the stellar Kayleen Morgan. Thank you for listening. <laughs>